Yo, 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 what is up? Sync Gems. I'm your host, Roy Matz. And on today's show, we have Grant Borland. Grant Borland has had amazing success in the sync world. He has worked and works with publishers like Gothic Storm, JDM, Ghost Rider, and actually many, many, many more. We talk about his journey that led him into full-time music income. And because he has so many relationships with publishers, I really narrowed down and we talked about how to research publishers, how to know when a publisher is not for you, what are red flags you can look for when you look for a publisher. Grant is also just a wealth of knowledge and everything he says has so much conviction and knowledge behind it. So really make sure to stay all the way to the end because he's a legend and I think I also dropped a few gems there as well. If y'all wanna pick them up and let me know. There are a few ways you can help me out on my effort with this podcast to get to more ears. First of all, share it with people you love and you think that would get knowledge from it. Second of all, go in and really leave a, a loving review or a review. Hopefully you like it enough to leave a five-star review. Subscribe to the podcast because it really makes all the difference for me and for this show going forward because that's how I see that the podcast has had value in your life. So without further ado, my man, Grant Borland. How are you doing? I'm doing friend. great, man. What about you? I'm doing great. Uh, it's an honor to have you here. I've had a little bit of a look and uh, uh, in, in what you do. And you work with a lot of labels that I actually really like. Tell me, tell me your story. What got you to this place? What got you to working with the amazing publishers that you're working with? And let's kick it from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, I've been working kind of in the trailer music sync space for five, five and a half years now, maybe. Um, I kind of tell people I fell into it by accident, which maybe isn't completely true. But um, basically, I didn't realize that I had people on my Facebook friends list that were kind of doing that type of work. You know, I, I've been in like into music. I've been writing music for a while, various bands growing up, whatnot. So I feel like I've kind of like cultivated uh, a network of musicians, but really I didn't, re I didn't know much about trailer music. And um, I made a status about the music to the video game, Minecraft, right? Uh, just a status about how much I love the music and uh, my buddy Brian Wynn, he works over at Ghostwriter Music, he commented on that and we kind of bonded over the fact that we liked the same uh, soundtrack. So uh, friendship kind of formed there and later on down the road, he got a job working for a publisher called Gothic Storm and uh, he was kind of heading up briefs for albums and whatnot and then kind of reached out and... Uh, asked me if I wanted to contribute to some of those albums. So I did. And uh, he kind of took me under his wing from there. Um, kind of taught me what good trailer music consists of, you know, different acts, different breaks, how to make a song syncable for trailer music, all that kind of thing. 
And uh, yeah, man, the rest was history. I mean, from there, I kind of kept networking, met other composers, met other, um, you know, publishers and whatnot. Um, And yeah, I mean, five years later, I'm kind of writing for all sorts of people. So yeah, that's kind of how the trailer music thing started for sure. I mean, I've been writing music for, you know, 10 years prior to this, um, you know, started as a kid playing guitar and then played in various bands and whatnot. But as far as the sync stuff goes, that's kind of the, that's kind of the gist of it. What's your, what's your background? What music did you start writing in? What was, what was your passion? What got you so passionate about uh, the, the video game that you got, that you, you had to write this emotional comment about? So, I mean, really, as far as starting out goes, I, I grew up on a lot of stuff um, like Linkin Park and Green Day, kind of some of the more uh, heavier rock or alternative rock things. Um, and then, you know, as I got into high school, I kind of got really heavily into like metal music and whatnot. Um, and then from there, I kind of the thing I liked about metal music, I liked a lot of like thematic um, metal music. So if there was metal music, but then there was like this theme around it, like there's a band I like called the faceless and they really made their metal music sound like outer space to me. And I liked themes like that. So I think that kind of led into, um, like I enjoyed music that was used for storytelling and, um, yeah. So, I mean, video game music was a big part of that too. You know, as I kept, developing my taste i found that i liked a lot of ambient music classical music and then you know film scores and video game scores were a big passion of mine too so um yeah man i mean the music to minecraft is just beautiful i don't know if you've listened to it but it's very calming soothing like ambient and very chill pianos and i i really resonated with that so i don't know i must have been in some kind of mood that day to make a status about it but uh but yeah so when did the the whole trailer uh, trailer journey start, and was that your entrance to sync? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, I always wanted to try making a living with music, but I didn't really know what that looked like. So, um, upon finding out about trailer music, I also kind of was introduced to this world of sync and how sync licensing even worked. And from there, you know. I'll do TV production albums as well as trailer music. So I've kind of expanded in that sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think I started around 2017. So everything I've learned about sync has been kind of through the lens of trailer music. And then I've kind of, you know, went out, branched out and learned other things too. Um, but yeah, definitely. I didn't know much about sync prior to trailer music. Mm. What was, uh, what was the most important thing that you, you discovered about sync music when you got into it? Um, I mean, really, uh, production-wise, it has to be, like, very, very high-quality production. And then, like, the structure of tracks, too. I mean, I never really thought about writing a track from the standpoint of structuring it in a way where it could be very easy to be synced up with visuals. So whether you've got, you know... Um, you know, different stop downs or cuts or uh, the way a song builds. Those were things I didn't really, um, I didn't really think about, you know, a lot of times with music, it's kind of this verse, chorus, second verse, chorus, bridge, you know, you're kind of used to that formula with sync music. It was very different. So I think learning how to structure a track um, was, was very important. Um, and it, 
you know, it really changed everything for me as far as sync goes. And like nowadays, I mean, I follow those types of things, but um, I've also, you know, gone ahead and I've tried getting creative with other things too. Um, I've heard from other publishers that like, you know, three X structures are good, but like, I don't know if you follow a lot of trailers, but sometimes like slow burns and stuff like that are really popular right now. And those don't always necessarily have as many like stop downs and cuts. It's just this gradual like build and whatnot. Um, I'm probably kind of getting off tangent here, but yeah, really just learning how to, how to structure songs and produce them at like a high quality uh, was like the biggest takeaways I got from writing for sync for sure. Mm. And man, do not worry about going on tangents. That's my favorite. <laughs> that's my, that's, that's where the gems are. So yeah, for do sure. not worry. Um, but I love it. Also, I've had Brian, as I told you, and he was speaking to the fact of thinking about music to visuals. Where can this fit? Really see the nuances of where this lands is something that really hit me in the face in a really, in a great way. Because I am not writing music for myself anymore. I'm writing it for something bigger than me. Whether it's an ad, whether it's a commercial, it's way more selfless. And if I can add my flavor into that, then I feel like I'm a winner in that sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a big thing. Like you mentioned all the little nuances and whatnot. Um, You think about music differently when you think about, you know, syncing it to visuals and whatnot. It's a, it's a whole different skill set than, you know, just songwriting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Interesting. So what, what did it get you? So you started in the trailer world, which to me is very interesting. Like starting in the trailer world and sync is just so specific because trailer music usually goes into trailers. So it's very specific when you make, let's say like me, when you make hip hop or heavy hitting stuff, then it can be used for so many things, right? But trailer can be used very specifically for trailers. How did you, once you discover this world, how did you uh, uh, split your time? And how do you currently split your time with trailers and then music for ads, TV? Um, well, the majority of my time is still spent on trailers. Um, the thing is with a lot of the publishers I work with is they also have different sub-publishing deals. So sometimes the trailer music I'll write for a certain album brief will still get pitched through the sub-publishers for different TV shows and ads and things like that. So even though I keep trailers in mind when writing that music, I find that you will still find syncs for the most, you know, craziest things. I might write a very heavy trailer track and then before you know it, it's on like a cooking show on a TV channel in Germany. So, I mean, I found that it translates pretty well um, and you can still tell all sorts of stories. It doesn't have to always strictly be trailers, even though trailers are the thing I keep in mind. Um, but like nowadays, even though the majority of my work is trailer music, I still take the time to write some production albums when I can. And that's just kind of a nice break from trailer music too. It kind of gets me out of that, um, that mindset. Like I, I've like earlier this year, I wrote 
a very uplifting like acoustic uh underscore album for uh, a tv publisher and that's been fortunately doing pretty well um so yeah like nowadays when i need a break from trailer music i'll you know take some time and focus on uh more tv music but thankfully the trailer music's been keeping me so busy i've been kind of able to just do that as the full-time thing and then everything else is just a bonus that's amazing man that's super cool to hear and that's super informational and i'll i'll i want to sh- jump on uh, on what you just said and 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 let me know if i'm wrong but trailer music converts that's what you're saying yeah in my experience for sure yeah so that's a super cool fact that i want to stress on because if somebody's listening to this and you're a you're starting to do trailer music your music can get placed in so many different places so so having a lot out there even if it's not Hans Zimmer uh uh good can be really can can serve a show yeah or absolutely. a or an ad and that's cool that's super cool that you're saying that what were mistakes that you've made on the way to getting to where you are right now where you are making full time from uh, uh trailer music um hmm it's a good question. I mean, the first thing that comes to my head is just um aside from just, you know, practicing and learning what makes a track good, um I think it's also equally important to know uh who to give your tracks to. I think I was very fortunate to start out with a publisher that had a good um good relationships with other sub-publishers, so I, you know, gave them music and thankfully, you know, I I saw, you know, TV placements soon after but i've also learned that um you don't necessarily want to give your music to just anyone either you know uh research your publishers research the companies that are pitching music and you know mistakes that can be made would just be continuing to uh give music to publishers that don't really pitch your music as hard as other music or whatever you know if you're not seeing things land um that's okay it's just time to kind of change it up and maybe test out a few other publishers, give them music, see if they can land things. And then, you know, when you find a good fit and you build a good relationship with the publisher that's pitching your stuff, double down on that and uh, keep them happy. And, you know, they'll they'll keep you happy too. They'll give you work. And um, yeah, and it's just, it's a great thing once you kind of find that, um, that right publisher for you. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah. And in short, I think the biggest mistake early on is just, not knowing who to give your music to and uh the way to fix that is just to do research and see what works best for you it's a trial and error thing at the end of the day that's kind of all my experiences it's just trial and error and talking to other composers along the way that um you know i thought were pretty successful so mm. so speak to to composers that are doing your style and see if they're getting placements right yeah and it's not it's not even um you don't even have to exactly copy like oh this or this composer is getting uh placements with this publisher and you don't always have to follow up with that exact publisher but at least it kind of opens up your network and you know that publisher is out there and they're landing things regularly for their composers and maybe it's worth reaching out and you know try to get 
a few uh, songs in their catalog, or maybe, you know, you can hop on custom opportunities with them too. Um, But it's just really important to kind of take a step back and then look at all the different publishers you're aware of and see, you know, wow, this publisher is killing it. They're getting all sorts of composers placements every single month. And this publisher over here is getting, you know, a placement every three, four months for, you know, a small handful of publishers. And, you know, it's not to say that those publishers aren't aren't great and they aren't pitching it, but I think at the end of the day, the lesson to take away from that is, um, you know, really, uh, you know, through trial and error, just really figure out what works best for you. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Where do you where do you check the duration of placements they, they're um, having? So for me, really, Facebook's been the biggest thing for me. Um, I'm on all sorts of like social media apps, but Facebook's been great because most composers and publishers tend to play or they tend to post about their placements. Um, so you kind of just keep like a mental tab of oh, the publisher A, you know, landed four different songs for a single movie campaign or whatever. You know, they got the theatrical trailer as well as three different TV spots or whatever. Like they're really like plugged into you know, this campaign or whatever. So I don't know. I think if you just follow publishers, um, just keep an eye on, you know, what they're posting Mm -hmm. about. I don't know. That's, that's what's worked for me anyways. Yeah. Wow. So when you start, start working with a publisher, you already know a bunch about them, you know, their placements, you know, uh, their composers, you know, once in how long, sometimes, you know, once in how long they're, Getting what's a red flag that you have? Yeah, um, well, I think I think a red flag could be how long they've been in business and what their returns look like. I think another red flag could be uh, communication with them. I think that's a big thing. Uh, this industry is definitely formed on relationships, so you know if something's off-putting about the way they talk to you or or whatever the case is, that's a big red flag. Even if they're landing people placements, I think that the way they treat you and you treat them is, you know, even more important. So I think, you know, yeah, communication's a big thing. Um, I'm trying to think of other things off the top of my head, though. You know, if I, sometimes I'll talk to other composer buddies, and if they have bad experiences with other publishers, that's a red flag for me, too. Um mm. You know, we kind of talk to each other and sometimes we know who to kind of stay away from or who to, you know, give music to or whatever. So um, community is a big part, too, and that can help you kind of weed out some of the red flags as well. Legendary, man. You've made the segue mm-hmm. so easy. What's what's community been for you and how have you been treating it? How have you been nourishing your community? How have you been treating that whole world? Man, community is kind of everything with this. Uh, I've learned so much because of it. Um, like there's Facebook groups or forums or whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's just a huge trailer music focused um, community. And like you find that although the industry is competitive, it's a small industry to an extent too. Like I feel like you kind of like everybody knows everybody for the most part, it seems. And so it's, I don't know, I think it's really important because, you know, you build good relationships with them. I mean, you know, you give them work when you can, and a lot of times they'll give you work when they can, whether that's purely collaboration or sometimes it's like, hey, man, 
I can't get on this custom right now. Um, I referred them to you. They might reach out. Like that's happened to me before in the past. Um, you know, whether it's like an exclusive deal, like a composer's like, I'm exclusive to this publisher. I'm not able to take on this custom from publisher B, but I put in a good word about you to them and, uh, you know, then they reach out to me. And that's not the only reason. I mean, obviously you don't, you don't just build community to strictly get work. I think it's more than that, but that's just a small example of things that can happen. And, um, for me, I try to help out as much as I can, as far as giving back to the community, I try to do as much as I can. Um, whether that's, you know, talking to people, sometimes I have other composers that are just getting into trailer music. They'll send me their music to listen to, um, and I'll give them notes on it. Uh, a lot of times I make videos on YouTube, uh, you know, kind of sharing my process. And then, you know, through comments, I continue to talk and give back to people. Um, I also make sample packs, uh, both in which I sell, but I also have freebies that I give away to people um, to kind of help them, you know, build a, a sound collection to kind of help them, you know, write music. So those are just a few things that come to mind about giving back to the community too because it's definitely uh you know give and take kind of thing there for sure so yeah i'll link to to the youtube channel and to the sample packs um i want to double down on a little thing that you were saying there and it's collaborations how do you approach that on your level yeah um well good question um so obviously I've got just friends I've made that will, you know, reach out to me or I'll reach out to them if I know, you know, if I, I've got a buddy who's really good at say writing horror music, for example, you know, I'll reach out to them for certain collaborations and then they might reach out to me for a certain thing. Um, I don't really go ahead anymore. Well, I never really did, but I don't really like slide in people's dms and i don't ask them for collaborations it's got to be kind of more of an organic thing so any collaboration i've had has kind of came about naturally just through the time i put into a relationship um so yeah that's kind of the big thing um i do collaborate a fair amount i'd say the majority of my work is still kind of just solo and then um here and there i'll get projects where i have to work with other composers um, but the nature of trailer music for me so far has been just very quick turnarounds that sometimes we don't have the luxury to always bring other composers to write on. Now, if it's an album brief, that could be a different thing. You know, maybe we have a month to get a track or two into a publisher for an album, and then that gives us more time to, uh, to collaborate if that's the route we want to take. But especially with like custom music, sometimes those turnarounds are, you know, a day or two. And, uh, you know, you, the more people you bring into that, sometimes there can be, uh, the more people you bring into it, sometimes that can slow the process up. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, I'm getting off on tangents again. Yeah. Tangents, tangents are the shit. Um, <laughs> I, I love it, man. This is, it's interesting because everyone has such a different perspective about it. And I tend to go on your end. Uh, I tend to be on your side and try to have my, uh, uh, my stuff together as much as I can. So publishers know exactly what to ask for me. And then I can do it myself. You know, they know how my vocals sound. 
They know how my drums sound uh, aggressive. And then that's, these are two things they'll want from me, you know? So, uh, and, and also when you are adding on people, it's more hoops to jump through and it's more loops or hoops, whatever. Uh, and, and it's just more for the label to, to process. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, a solution to that could be uh, an upfront, an upfront or a, a buyout that you do from, let's say, a singer. You want a woman singer, a female singer. You can either, uh, you can either write a contract upfront, or you know, have all these things sorted. So once the label has it, then they have everything. They have the, their signature on it. They have all that they need to move on. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um. So that's that's a super important thing. I want to move away from that now. If you had to describe your production style in three words, what would they be? Ooh, I'd say modern, emotive, and man, loud. Hey, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. That's what about a you? Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> wow. I would say vocal, emotional, deep. Nice, yeah. Yeah, these are my my three three things because for me, and you're the first one who asks me that, so that's interesting. But a lot of people reach out to me for my vocals and for mm. what I can do. And for how I can bring emotions, which which is either with my lyrics or with my with additions, and I have a huge sample pack that I've made for myself. And as you said about when you said about the the sample packs that you put out for free, I will definitely uh, I will definitely put one out with my with only vocal effects and stuff like that because I've done a bunch of like risers and uh, weird. Mediterranean style vocals that I have in my oh. range, so it's super weird, but yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome to uh, to get a sample pack of that stuff. It'd be fun to play around with for sure. Yeah, you definitely yeah, yeah. do that. Okay, I'll hit you. You'll be the first one to get that. <laughs> awesome, I'm honored. <laughs> and okay, I wanna, I wanna. Uh, these are kind of these are more questions that I ask every guest. The, the three words that you turned around on me was, by the way, was really cool. And um, that, was, that was the first one. But if you had a MacBook and $500 and you wanted to enter the space that you're in right now, you didn't have any connections. It's basically an island question. You had the, mm-hmm. you had the, the laptop and $500 and you are getting into the sync space. What would you do with this? Man, um, five hundred dollars. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Hold up, let me think. And I don't have any connections. You said no connections. Okay, so but the you first do have I, you have like yeah. Facebook. You have like all the you have everything. You have uh, internet connection and all that kind of stuff. But these are the okay. two things you got. You got to start. With. Okay, okay, okay. So on the Okay, so first on the not having connections, then what I would do 
is if I wanted to get into trailer music, if I wanted to do exactly what I'm doing now, this is what I would probably do. I think I would start on YouTube of all places. Um, and I think I would look up trailer music. Um, you'll find a lot of video compilations and stuff that is, you know, from publishers that do trailer music. And I think from there, I would go ahead and kind of make notes of that. So, you know, if you just do a YouTube search and do hybrid orchestral trailer music or horror trailer music or whatever genre or subgenre of trailer music you want to do, all these videos are going to come up. And a lot of times the publishers are credited in those videos. So I think from there, I would go on Facebook and I would find those um, publishers' Facebook pages and I would like them all. And then that way, you know, theoretically, posts that they make will come up in my news feed and I'll see that. And a lot of times they'll go ahead and they'll credit different um, composers that are behind their placements and whatnot. So I think from there, um, I would probably, you know, add a few people, maybe reach out, you know, say, hey, man, I heard so-and-so track that you landed for this campaign. Like, I thought it was really cool. And maybe there's something very specific about that track you can comment on. And, uh, you know, hopefully they get back to you and you can kind of start a relationship there. Um, so I think that's kind of where I would start. I would kind of figure out the companies that are doing this and then I would kind of get to know people that work closer with them, um, and, you know, befriend them. And it's not even so much like, Hey, can you put in a, a word for me? I'm trying to get into this publisher. I think it's more so just asking questions, complimenting, um, you know, being authentic about, you know, the compliments you give them, you know, really study their stuff. Um, and I think that's how I would start to build my network as far as that goes. But as far as the $500 goes, um, I would buy contact first and foremost. That is like the plugin for me. Um, there's the free one, but I would probably, no, I would probably start out with the free one if I have $500. And then, um, man, from there it's, I would try to find kind of an all rounder library that handles not only like orchestral and percussion, but sound design elements too. Uh, there's a company called Audio Imperia. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've got a lot of great stuff too. I think I would look around there and, you know, if I was able to afford it, uh, try to pick up a few different, um, like Jaeger, for example, that's like a very good all-rounder library. I think that's probably around 500 bucks. So that might be the one that you'd start out with. But uh, but yeah, um Making your own sounds is huge too, so I guess you could equally spend $500 on a microphone, but realistically, I think I would probably start with sample libraries first and then, you know, get into more sound design things from there. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's probably what I would do to start out with and then uh, hopefully get somewhere with that. Fire. Fire. I have to chime in for that, you know, like if you, a lot, not a lot, some of the sounds that I make with my vocals, let's say, are through the Mac. Just because yeah. that's what I have. Like sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm traveling, I'm, I'm in the airport. I'm like, oh, this sound. Ooh, yeah. look at this carriage right there. I mean, I'm like a pervert. But I, I'm like <laughs> just like <laughs> creeping people with my computer. But, you know, I, um, I want to speak to that because when… You have the inspiration. A lot of times, weird, cool things come through. And that's the, um, the, the, the recurring themes in today's big trailers 
are weird sounds. That's what I've mm-hmm. picked out. Like a row, suddenly like in the middle or take the all the Star Wars ones. They, they just have one weird sound that comes back with and then you know you have the dun 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 and, and yeah. that kind of comes back. But there is something weird and unique that takes your eyes, uh, your ears somewhere. And yeah. and a sample library can can open that, you know? Yeah. You're like, what if this sound, what if I put a super heavy distortion on this sound? Or what if I put a super heavy reverb on this one? Um yeah, and I've I've actually uh I've actually taken a, an amazing amazing suggestion from from uh Ziggard. He was also on the podcast and I just started putting Realm, the the, the reverb, on everything yeah. and testing it out. It's such a unique tool. Only with this reverb, I can get such weird sounds. That's the so, Native Instruments one, right? That's the one they mm, make? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, like I can… a white interface with some blue on it or whatever, maybe. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know which one yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, I think it's Native Instruments. But I'm… I'm, I'm 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 a, I'm a link to it as well, but yeah, I mean, I'm just like throwing it on everything because it's such a unique reverb. It's like you can get seeing these these fifty dollar uh, investments or a hundred dollar investments as tools as actual instruments. Reverb is an instrument to me. Sure, you yeah. know. So if we geek into these things, if you are a master of one reverb, you can get so much done from that specific thing. And a mistake <laughs> that I made uh, and that I still sometimes sin in it, but not as much is just getting so many things, so many more than I can use. And then using three of the, all, like getting all the, the waves complete and then using three, three, uh, three plugins from there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's, so that's true, something man. that happened. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, your all your all your output gives bring me, brings me so much inspiration. That's why I'm, I'm I ended up speaking so much to, uh, in this podcast. Yeah, it's been great, man. the uh, The one thing that was kind of sticking out to me that you mentioned was all the unique sounds, especially with trailer music. I think that's one thing that I love about trailer music so much is. A lot of times, like the hook sound that you know we go for in a trailer, is super unique signature sounds like that. Sometimes a hook could be like a melody or something catchy like that, but a lot of times with uh, trailer music, it's so sound design heavy that like those unique sounds, like the more unique, the better. Sometimes you know what I mean. Like take a piano and then make it something that's anything but a piano, and that's the coolest thing ever. And editors are jumping all over those sounds. So. Mm. Okay, so I you've touched on something I want to bounce off. And it's, what are things that you found that editors love, absolutely love, with production music, with trailer music, with, what did you find? Well, definitely hooks, definitely interesting sounds for sure. Um, you know, I feel like I'm thinking about recent notes I've had from like publishers that the editors wanted. I think very full, loud drums. You know, I feel like that was one thing that's recently been coming back to me. Hey, your drums sound good. They're big, 
but like they're lacking in the low end. So give it like that really round low end, make it huge, almost just like clipping. It's so just like massive. Um, and the editors seem to like that. Um, I know like one specific note was like, let's, let's give the editor speakers some rumble for that, that client. So that was something cool. So huge slamming percussion as well as really unique sounds. Um, you know, I, I like doing cool, uh, like cool, very hybrid, uh, stutters and chops. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. It's really interesting to see how editors play with your tracks anyways, because they usually just take the stems and then they, they build it from there. Um, sometimes it's nice to listen to, uh, a placement you've gotten in a trailer and you know, it's like, Oh, that's my track. But then other times I'm like, Whoa, like it's my track, but like the way that they layered the stems and the way they chopped it up, it's way cooler than anything I ever envisioned it to be used in. So, Mm. um, yeah, I think it's just giving them ear candy and giving them lots to play with, uh, good stop downs, good cut points, you know, think about the way it's going to be synced to the, um, the visuals of course. So, you know, maybe give them a very cool like intro kind of um, something to set the tone for the trailer that they're building and then, you know, know how to build it. And then at the end of it, you want that listener to be on the edge of their seat. That's why a lot of times you want such a massive like back end to the track. You want it to be in your face. You want to be like, oh, my gosh, this thing's like insane. Like I can't take my eyes off the TV or whatever the case may be. Um, so those are all elements that like I think are really important. I don't know if it's necessarily one thing that an editor is going to be like, yes. Um, I think it can be like a lot of things and it probably just depends on the editor too and their style, you know, like, like composers, we all have our own styles, but I know editors definitely have their own styles too. So it's definitely just trial and error and just knowing what makes a really good solid trailer track. And it seems to, it seems to work, you know? Mm. Yeah, man. I, I, Trailer uh, editors in general, and especially trailer editors, the way that I see it, they're so under overlooked. They are so yeah. their job is so underrated, and yeah. and yeah, just to what you're speaking, I want to have many editors on this podcast to speak to what they do because. It's so important. These are people with exquisite taste, with that know what they're doing, and and I want to be able to 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 shed some light on that because I haven't I haven't seen any editors get get interviewed till now because they're more more in the woodworks, right? Like they're not very out there. Yeah, yeah. As far as I can tell, I mean, I'm meeting more. Um, editors and music supervisors too like that's equally as important too shout out to all the supervisors and editors but um but i agree man either that or we're just not looking in the right places but i i don't see much out there in terms of you know interviews with editors and stuff like that you know it's i don't know like you said it's kind of uh underrated overlooked sort of thing and uh i mean it's one of the most important parts of the process it's kind of weird that it's not you know, talked about more, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like they had the, 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 um, the supervisor, they, they started, uh, they started a, a whole thing. I forgot how they called it, but they, they want to get acknowledged more basically. And they're so, and rightfully so, in my opinion, 
because people yeah. see only the music. They don't see the hustle that the supervisor has put behind getting a, a, a song from Imagine Dragons or I don't know, for that sake, Jonas Brothers or I don't know, like, you know, yeah. like, or, or, or any anyone for this, it's just the hustle is insane. And that's why I, I also want to, want to want to have supervisors on here and just ask them these questions because I want to understand their superpowers better. Yeah. Because if I'm not an owner of a label and I feel like I shouldn't know these things for some reason and that's dumb. I want to know I want to know who of these course. people are. Yeah, you're going to learn so much on top of the networking, you're going to learn so much more about sync in general just from talking to other people that work in, you know, different parts of that that whole thing. You know, the supervisor's job's insane, you know. Not only is it, you know, coming up with these concepts, talking with um, you know, talking with the client, coming up with like a musical idea on, you know, what's going to really help tell the story and like relaying that to the publisher, or the composer, or whoever they're working with. But on yeah. top of that, like you said, maybe it's a Jonas Brothers track, maybe it's you know, Imagine Dragons. I mean, you got to deal with the clearance and all that stuff too. You know, it's not just like, hey, we're going to use an Imagine Dragons track just because. It's like, no, there's, you know, there's, you got to get the the sign off on all that stuff. And they're responsible for a lot of those, um, you know, those tasks. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a job that's so important and a job I, I don't envy. I think I'm very happy staying in the composer, the composer realm. And I'll just you know, forever thank the the supervisors for that sort of thing. So, man, I I think we'll we'll leave it at that because you've dropped so many so many gems and so much wisdom, and I'm forever grateful that you came on and super grateful for all your all your your outlook, man. Your outlook is special, and it's it seems very very zen-like to me. It feels very zen-like. I don't know why, but it feels, I don't know to pinpoint, but your outlook on this world seems very pure and I I want that around me. So I'm super happy that you're, you came on and uh, we got to finally meet face-to-face. Of course, and man. Is there, uh, is there, where can people find you? Oh man, um, I try to be everywhere, really. Uh, just Grant Borland. I mean, my website's grantborland.com. Uh, as far as Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, I mean, I try to keep it simple. I kind of keep it Grant Borland. I don't really kind of. You search Grant Borland and everything's going to come up for me. I don't really veer off from my name because I want to be, you know, once people know my name, I want to be very uh, easy to find. So yeah, I mean, everything's. Instagram.com slash Grant Borland, Twitter.com slash Grant Borland, you know, the whole thing. So I'm easy to find for sure. <laughs> I'll link to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yo, how good was Grant? I loved having him on and hoped you loved him too. If you got any value out of this podcast at all, please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. Leave it a five-star review and a comment with, a way or two that this show has helped you on your journey. This really goes a long way and also encourages me to keep on going and bring on more guests that'll drop amazing gems. So see you in the next one. Peace. Peace.